Now, you guys know that Disney doing its premium $30 Disney Plus access thing has been a source of a lot of controversy. It has not done well for them. That's that's beyond dispute. All the facts and figures point that it's not done well for them. Uh, they have lost out on a lot of a lot of money doing it. And a lot of people at Disney don't even like it. There has been some very well-known amongst the industry inside fighting going on over at Disney regarding the premium access sort of thing. At least that's what a lot of us have been told. Well, apparently there was somebody else who did not like the premium day and date release for $30 on Disney plus either. And that is Scarlett Johansson. Now this, again, we know very little about what's going on here. This has just dropped. This comes to us from the wall street journal and what they are writing is uh, they're talking a little bit about the situation uh, with Scarlett Johansson, and they're saying the following. They're saying Miss Johansson, like the headline on it is Scarlett Johansson sues Disney over Black Widow streaming release. Scarlett Johansson, one of the original Avengers, is suing Disney for this move. Now, I'm just going to read this. I am reading this and hearing this along with you guys, okay? So let's get into it here. Miss Johansson said in the suit that her agreement with Disney's Marvel Entertainment guaranteed an exclusive theatrical release, and her salary was based in large part on the box office performance of the film. Now, this isn't unusual that actors will have, particularly big stars, will have their, the money that they make out of a movie will be tied directly to how much money that movie makes at the box office. This is one of the reasons why a lot of the Warner Brothers filmmakers and actors were so pissed off at Warner Brothers when they said they were going to be releasing things on HBO Max at the same time, because that is obviously affecting the box office, which is obviously affecting their salaries, which when they entered into their agreement, they were given assurances that their movies were going to be full, exclusive theatrical releases, and apparently Scarlett Johansson was one of them. Uh, Her salary was based in large part on the box office performance of the film. Disney intentionally induced Marvel's breach of the agreement without justification in order to prevent Miss Johansson from realizing the full benefit of her bargain with Marvel, the suit said. Disney could not be reached immediately for comment. The suit could be a bellwether for the entertainment industry. Major media companies are prioritizing their streaming services in pursuit of growth and are increasingly putting their high-value content on those platforms. Those changes have significant financial implications for actors and producers who want to ensure that growth in the streaming does not come at their expense. This will surely not be the last case where Hollywood talent stands up to Disney and makes it clear whatever the company may pretend, it has a legal obligation to honor its contracts, said John Berlinski, an attorney at, oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this, Katowitz <laughs> uh, Benson Torres uh, LLP, who represents Miss Johansson. All right. Here's the thing. If you enter into an agreement a legally binding agreement that says, I will do this for this under these circumstances. And then you suddenly renege on your side of the agreement. Well, you're going to get sued. You're going to get sued. And if Scarlett Johansson and her attorneys are saying it was explicit in the contract that I was going to get my salary 
partially based on what it makes at the box office with the understanding in the contract that it was going to be an exclusive theatrical release. That meant I could count on X amount of dollars. But you sabotaged it by putting it on Disney Premium Plus, stealing money from us. You violated our contract. Now, one of the things I got to say about this, Kimberly, yeah, and again, we're just finding out about this. Man, whoa. Is how professional is Scarlett Johansson that she had this going on behind the scenes yep. and yet was a good soldier, went, did the promotion for Black Widow. Yep. In, you know, she promoted it. She told people to go out and see it. She did the interview circuit. She didn't bitch and moan. She this is the first we're hearing about it. It wasn't until that was classy. weeks after it's been released mm -hmm. that this becomes public knowledge. So the first thing I got to say is, holy shit, is Scarlett Johansson professional? I think because she's a I'm not going to lie. If this was me... And you effed me over out of potentially millions or tens of millions of dollars? <laughs> you would have seen a lot of this. Oh, you want me to promote oh, the movie? A lot of this. You want me to promote the movie you just screwed me over on? How's that taste? That's what I would have done. Yeah. But holy shit, is she professional? She's a class act. Look, there's it, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on streaming and things like that. We're gonna get more into the Black Widow thing with IMAX here in a sure, minute. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter what your opinion on that is. When you negotiate a contract in good faith and you breach that contract, look, Disney could have went to Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Like what Warner Brothers did do with Gal Gadot and um, uh, they, uh, yeah, Jenkins. Sweeten the deal, yeah. And said, listen, we understand this was supposed to be theatrical and we understand we're screwing you over. So let's let us make this up to you let us cut yeah. you another five million dollar check Absolutely. or let us cut you another 10 million whatever we think it would have made in the box office let us compensate you that's what warner brothers did and well at least with one of their movies they didn't do it for 15 others <laughs> but that's what they did with the wonder woman situation why they did not do this with scarlett johansson what did they think now i i am not walking in the halls of disney all right but what were they thinking were they thinking Scarlett Johansson's one person, we're Disney. She's going to take what we feed her and she's going to say, thank you, may I have another? I mean, I'm not saying that what, that was their attitude. I'm just saying, what on it's earth When you're thinking? that big, when you're that big, it's possible. Yeah. You know, it's anything's possible. Because you have to think, even though streaming is so new, even though these deals are so new, and on top of it, even though the garbage fire of 2020 kind of came out of nowhere and people had to supplement, they had to find inventive ways uh for people to see their films there's also the paperwork there's the back-end deals there's coming to the table and saying this is what's up let's work together like warner brothers did let's work together let's see what we can do i, I know you're getting a bit screwed but let's sweeten the deal but look it's it's not even about her feelings and emotions because let's face it she should have had a uh, i believe she should have had a black widow film way long ago when everyone else was getting their individual films because her character is just freaking awesome. But this isn't even about feelings and emotions. This is about the contract. This is business. And she's a class act for not screwing them over and going, oh, really? It's coming out in two weeks? Guess what, guys? Do you know how screwed over <laughs> I got on this deal? She could have played a lot of different cards, you know, um, as a woman. But I think she's coming to the table as a businesswoman, as a classy professional. And you know what? It's her right. So it, it, it is her right. That's the that's the thing that I think a lot of people got to remember. It's like if this is in the contract, what are they doing? Again, 
I cannot believe how impressed I am with Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I've, I've always respected her, but this is this professionalism is crazy. And the fact that she did not allow her very legitimate grievance with Disney yeah. to affect the performance of the product um, or on Disney. She could have just leaked her disappointment. She oh, could she, she totally could have like yeah. totally skipped a public statement and just told her people, you know, I'm so displeased with the situation and, and just kind of leaked it. And so it was out in the water. Hey, did you know she got screwed? Like, this is the first we're hearing about it. She gave what they gave her, which was at home, let's pay $30 and let's be in the theater, this raw deal. And she was professional about it. Yeah. And I and I think that's great because as you know, when we think of Marvel and we think of Disney and we think of all the Avengers, even when we think of not only their characters, but them as actors, there's no bad blood. This isn't like Fast and the Furious world. Yeah. They were bickering and so and so, you know, brought an attitude. We think about Avengers, Marvel, everything's good. Yeah, well, okay. remember, remember a while ago, like all the original Avengers actors, remember those photos came out? They all went and got tattoos together. They all yeah. got to, I mean, there's this thing. Now, now look, I'm seeing a lot of people in the live chat, understandably, saying things like, well, I guess she's never playing Black Widow again. Eh, this is business. I mean, like, look, we've seen about all the drama that's gone on for years with Mad Max and the director. Oh, and then, yeah. Hey, guess what? They did business. Business is business. And they worked it out. And now he's coming. He says he's going to be making more films. So there's that. This could be worked out, but this does hurt. The, like I've always said, Scarlett Johansson will be back as Black Widow. Just like Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. will be back as Tony Stark. Chris Evans will be back as Steve Rogers. But I mean, this does hurt those chances a little bit. But listen, this is an ongoing developing situation here, guys. And, you know, somebody's asking me, who was asking me this in the live chat? Um, I think it was Carmelo was asking, John, do you think Bob Chapek is to blame for this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally believe Bob Chapek and, and his his mandate and his agenda. Every CEO needs to have a mandate and agenda. Don't Those aren't bad words. But I believe his mandate and agenda has directly led to this. And um, it's really interesting to see how... We have never seen, like you said, we have never seen cracks in the Marvel armor. No. Even, even Edgar Wright and Kevin Feige, you know, Edgar Wright was famously supposed to direct Ant-Man. He worked on it for years. And then he and Kevin Feige couldn't oh. agree on what to do. And they parted ways. But even recently, like both of them were online saying, yeah, we've been talking to each other and, you know, tweeting back at each other. And we've had, I mean, everything. And any brew, anything that people tried to brew, you know, they were trying yeah. to say um, that Cap Captain... Marvel, um, that there was nobody liked her, you know, everyone in the crew is kind of shunning her. And you know what? Their genuine camaraderie and their genuine respect for not only the characters, but their coworkers yeah. shot that down because the bloggers and people, they tried, they tried to be like, oh, is, is there drama? Do you, do you guys not like her? And they were like, they're, honestly, I really felt the realness of their camaraderie. Yeah. And so this, but every family has their drama, but it makes me wonder, is Kate Shoreland going to be the next person to sue? Maybe, is, yeah. Is this going to be a fallout? Is someone else going to sue? Is David Harbour going to sue? You know, because you had deals. It's not like they said, play this character, we're going to release it. However, you know, we're going to put it on your, your an app or something. No, there was a deal and you breached the deal. Yeah. And, hey. and, the kicker to all this, and by the way, Alex's Movie Corner sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Alex. Here's the kicker to this. This movie's losing money. 
This movie has lost out on hundreds of millions of dollars, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move forward. But guys, listen, this is a developing Bummer. story. This just dropped. You guys are hearing about it as we are. For those of you just joining us, the headline right now, Scarlett Johansson is suing uh, Walt Disney over the Black Widow release. The fact that it was supposed to apparently in her contract be a theatrical exclusive release, and instead they put it on Disney Premium Plus, violating her contract, and she is now suing them. And uh, again, I'm sure there's a lot of information here that we don't know about yet. I'm sure there's I'm sure we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg on this. Let me ask you this before we move sure. on, though, with everything that's happening at HBO, with um, new people coming to the streaming platform and new more money, more problems, you know, new people, new issues. Do you think this is going to be really a landmark move to shift how streaming platforms and studios make their deals? Because now that they're seeing the bite back what do you what, what do you anticipate like the fallout it has be? to i mean look black widow was a movie that remember this movie was supposed to come out a year ago it was made like a year before that so like they made this movie never heard, hearing the word covid they had never heard that word before yep so i think studios knew already for probably the past six months to a year that they need to revisit how they look at doing their deals. Mm -hmm. This, if it wasn't already abundantly clear that they have to reassess this, mm -hmm. this is going to drive it home. This will mm -hmm. absolutely have to drive that home, that they're going to have to be, and they're going to have to start working with the agencies, the agents, the reps about how do we now format these contracts? What mm -hmm. is acceptable? Yeah. What isn't? What is col collectively? Because there's some collective bargaining between the unions as well. So now the unions, ACTRA and uh, and uh, SAG mm -hmm. and everything, they're all going to have to get involved in this now. It's, it's an interesting situation. But again, this is the first time we've seen any cracks in the foundation of the mouse house. Absolutely. When it comes to something like this, particularly when it comes to the uh, MCU. So again, guys, I'm sure we're going to be talking about this more over the coming days. There is a lot more information to come. I'm, we're all just reacting on the first bit of news. We're all just reacting to the first headline. I'm sure we're going to change how we feel and evolve how we feel as we get more information. But this is a really interesting story. And we'll probably have to come back in and revisit it a little bit later. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney over how they released Black Widow. How are you feeling about it right now? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into another off the top. And that off the top is this. You know, there are a couple more, speaking of Disney and Disney+, Plus. there are a couple more shows on the way that we just heard from an exec at Disney saying, Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye are both coming out in 2021. Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye are both coming out in 2021, but we still didn't have any release dates for them. Well, that has changed now, as it's been officially announced that Hawkeye now has a premiere date, and I believe it is November 24th. Yeah, there it is. Uh, the Hawkeye series, this comes to us from the folks at Variety. Right, the Hawkeye series at Disney Plus finally has a premiere date. The show, which stars Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld, will start on November 24th. Marvel Studios announced Thursday. Renner will reprise his role as Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, while Steinfeld will play Kate Bishop. By the way, Anne has been watching that show, Dickinson, on Apple Plus. She's loving Haley in that. She's loving that show. Oh. Anyway, uh, and will play Kate Bishop a Marvel Comics character who took up the Hawkeye mantle after Barton and was also a member 
of the Young Avengers. So that comes to us from the folks, again, over there at Disney+. Plus. This is really interesting, and I'll tell you why it's interesting. Number one, the reason why this is interesting is because the Book of Boba Fett is supposed to be opening in December. Disney Plus, and guys in the live chat, correct me if I'm wrong, Disney Plus already announced that they are going to be releasing their, what is it, Tuesdays? Their premium shows are going to be released on Tuesdays. Is it Tuesdays or Wednesdays? You know what? I thought it was Tuesday one... midnight for Tuesday, me. Okay. So Wednesdays. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Well put. <laughs> so Wednesdays. Um, that's So that's good. But if this series is minimum six episodes long, that means we're going to get some overlap. Yeah. That means we're going to get weeks where we're going to have a brand new Book of Boba Fett and a brand new so episode of Hawkeye debuting on the same day. That seems weird. Here's the other interesting part about weird. this. The other interesting thing about this is we still don't have a release date for Ms. Marvel. They just said a couple of weeks ago that Ms. Marvel is coming out in 2021. We're and halfway through. We're more than halfway through the year. Is it going to come out in December? I don't think so. Are we going to have Ms. Marvel, Hawkeye, and Book of Boba Fett episodes dropping on the same day? I don't think so. So that probably means that Ms. Marvel A is getting bumped to 2022. That oh. seems unlikely, though, because, again, the Disney exec just said it's coming out in 2021. It's not like that happened six months ago. Yeah. That was just recently. So it means it's probably going to come out prior to November, which makes it weird that they would announce the release date for Hawkeye before they would announce the release date for Ms. Marvel. That does so, make it weird. Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure how that's all going to go about. Kimberly, let me ask you this. Hmm. What do you think about this November release date? And how do you think this is going to affect Book of Boba Fett? Do you think we're going to get Ms. Marvel still in 2021? I, I don't know. How do you see this? Honestly, I I, I kind of don't think we're going to get Ms. Marvel in 2021. And I think it's funny because we have to remember... This is our first year where we've got all the Marvel shows. However, they're still continuing Marvel films coming to the theater. Right. And we love our end credit scenes. And with Marvel and Kevin Feige, we love our tie-ins. So, we're, I mean, we saw with Loki that, okay, you're setting up for some, you know, several films. But we've got Spider-Man coming out close to the holidays. And... I don't know. Maybe there's a tie-in from Hawkeye. I mean, from Black Widow, we had Valentina. Uh, God, the name. It's Ellen? so long. Fun. You mean Elaine? Dave Fontaine. Yeah, <laughs> Elaine. Elaine. <laughs> um, you know, at, on the end credit scene, you know, so she was a tie-in from uh, Falcon. And, and now she's tying into the movie. And now she's tying in to Hawkeye because, you know, spoiler alert, there was the picture at the end. Isn't he cute? You know, we need to go get them. So things are tying in. So I think, honestly, the tie-in has to do with the films. I think that's why they're announcing it. And um, it's because there's going to be a tie-in with Spider-Man somehow. But I, I think that's odd. And because it's so odd and it's getting crowded, the year is coming to a close. I mean, we're starting to see back-to-school stuff and Target and stuff, you know. Halloween's going to be next. Then Thanksgiving. The holidays are going to creep up on us. And I think the holidays are looking very joyful because I get Book of Boba Fett and I get Hawkeye. Like, I'm so excited. I mean, or, or here's something none of us want to think about. Does them releasing this in November mean they're going to bump Book of Boba Fett into 2022? Oh, 
I mean, I just don't know how they release episodes on the same day if they've already said weird. that their premium shows are going to all release on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. I, so it's going to be interesting. And I'm already buffering at 12.01. I'm already like I, having to refresh. Right? And refreshing, so I don't want to have to deal with my Marvel crew and my Star Wars crew. Everyone's typing and refreshing at the same time because I'm a midnight girl. I, I yeah, for the, for I watch it right know, away. Like we live in the LA area, so that means when the show comes out on Wednesday, that means for us in LA, we're staying up till midnight to watch it drop I'm, in midnight. Yeah. And now we're gonna have to stay up till two in the morning watching two shows Come back on, to man. back. I'm already all napping buffering. in the middle of the day I, like a five year old. I don't know. Anyway, question <laughs> is for you guys: What do you think? about this announcement of a release date for Hawkeye. How will it affect the Book of Boba Fett? How will it affect Ms. Marvel? Are one of these going to jump to 2022? Might they move earlier? Are they going to release two different shows on the same day? Lots of interesting questions here. Question is for you guys. How do you feel about this? Jump on down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top. And this is another one that just dropped. Like, just dropped. Uh, literally maybe 10 minutes ago. And this isn't as big as Scarlett Johansson suing Disney, granted, but this is still interesting. Now, we know J.K. Simmons. He played Commissioner Gordon in, you know, the uh, Injustice League, right? We saw him in Justice League as Commissioner Gordon, both in the theatrical and in the Snyder Cut version, right? Now, in the new Robert Pattinson Batman, we've got Jeffrey Wright, whom the I love. great Jeffrey Wright, who is amazing, playing the new Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Right? Now, they recently announced that Leslie Grace from In the Heights fame is going to be the new Batgirl, Batgirl yeah. for the HBO Max property they're doing, which then a lot of us, including me, made the assumption that this is going to be tied in with Robert Pattinson's Batman and Jeffrey Wright will be her father. Apparently not. Because according to the Hollywood Reporter right now, J.K. Simmons is in talks. The headline reads in the Hollywood Reporter, Batgirl movie, J.K. Simmons is in talks to return to the Batman universe as Commissioner Gordon. Okay. I I have, I'm just like, what? What? Okay. What's what's going on? Okay. Okay, so just like, the Scarlett Johansson thing that just dropped and I read it with you guys. Let's read this. Okay, I'm going to see if I can uh, zoom in on this a little bit more. All right, so this is what they're saying at The Hollywood Reporter. J.K. Simmons is coming back to the Batbeat. The Oscar-winning actor is in negotiations to reprise the role of the classic Batman character, Commissioner James Gordon in Batgirl, uh, Warner Brothers feature for HBO Max. That is casting up swiftly. In the Heights breakout, Leslie Grace nabbed the title role this week. We talked about that earlier this week. I love the casting. I thought she was awesome in In the Heights. She was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, Bad Boys for Life filmmaker uh, Adil L.R.B. And I always pronounce these guys' names. I mispronounce names all the time. Uh, Bilal Falah are directing from a script by Christina Hodson, the DC mainstay behind Birds of Prey, uh, and the upcoming The Flash. That'll be interesting. Kristen Burr is producing. Okay, so to me here, two major things. Number one, James Gordon coming back. Now we got J.K. Simmons apparently is going to be a mainstay jumping back and forth between the MCU, where he's J. Jonah again, (laughs) and the DCEU, (laughs) where he's playing James Gordon. But the bigger thing here, I mean, this is great. By the way, did you see The Tomorrow War yet? 
Oh, yeah. Right? How jacked. I freaking loved it. How jacked was Jay And Faye I was then? like, hi. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, he was looking good. <laughs> dear God. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. He's coming back. That's great. Okay. But it's like, oh, the bigger news is that, well, then that means that this Batgirl movie is not. I totally thought Jeffrey Wright would, would do so it. So did I. I. I mean, we just assumed. I look and hey, you know what assuming does? Assuming makes an ass out of you and you. So <laughs> I I I think a lot of us just assume, oh, so this Batgirl is gonna be tied into the Pattinson Batman. Cool. Because everything yeah. on HBO Max seems to be tying into the Pattinson Batman. Like the Gotham series that they're gonna be doing, they say it's tied into the Robert Pattinson Batman. But apparently not, because if JK's gonna be Gordon in this, that totally changes our perception of what this Batgirl project is. Again, I haven't had time to wrap my head. I don't even know this. how I feel about it. Part of me feels a it. little I feel like I need some tie-in because I feel like as the comic book film world is expanding, it's also getting more compacted because now we've got Michael B. Jordan, you know, doing the Val Zod version. We've got uh, another Superman version. And then, you know, is Henry Cavill really out? We we're okay. Let me collect my thoughts. We're starting to get a bit jumbled is what it feels like to me. That's just off the top. It's starting to be jumbled. I would like a little bit more tie-in and consistency i have no problem i actually like it when films branch off and then there's the show and like i loved oh god i can't think of his name but in endgame when um jarvis uh paul bettany uh no the guy that played um jarvis in in the tv series showed up oh oh yeah yeah the guy from the um i'm uh, sorry um, it's escaping from me the agent carter series. agent carter right. i just loved that i love the tie-ins and i want more tie-ins this is a bit much. <laughs> it's well, a bit much. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 interesting because I feel like are we starting to get a glimpse of what the grander picture Walter Hamada has in mind for um for this universe and what they're doing? And I mean, I I, I don't know. Again, to me, this is a shock. This is a shock, a welcome one because I love J.K. Simmons. I freaking love him. I'll take him all day. But I I don't know how I don't know how I feel about this. I, I know this is kind of crazy. Again, I just like so the HBO for those who just joining in the HBO series. Sorry, the HBO movie, the HBO Batgirl movie that we have been talking about that Leslie Grace from In the Heights was just cast at that we all assumed Jeffrey Wright would be Commissioner Gordon because we all assumed this was going to be tied in to the Robert Pattinson Batman because the other HBO series, which is Gotham, is tied into that one. But apparently, the Hollywood, this is not coming from Gus's, Gus's movie reviews dot fart. All right. <laughs> This is coming to us from the Hollywood Reporter. So they're bringing him in again. I, I am shocked. I'm shocked. I'm I don't surprised. Know how I, feel. I I don't know how to wrap my head around this. It's fascinating stuff. I'm gonna need to light up my fireplace, pour some rosé, put on some uh, Michael <laughs> Bublé, and just take a second and take it all in and absorb it because it's a bit much right now. I love J.K. Simmons. Yeah. All day but also ha you know we'll see if he he's in i'm i'm presuming he'll be in spider-man i i i say why not but i'm just like come on guys like talk to each other is every is every uh, that's a question i have for you is are the creators of um the robert pattinson batman version talking to the other people like i mean obviously they know probably not a little bit of what they're doing but 
Is everyone talking? No, probably I, not. I mean, it, it can looks we get like a sit down conversation. They're, they're, they're creating different. I mean, this is this is multiverse. I mean, they're creating different things. Look, Joker was obviously not connected to the mainline DCEU, yeah. right? We've yeah. known that the mainline DCEU is continuing on. We've, yeah. we've known that forever. We yeah. got Flash. And I didn't there. expect Joker to be, and, and I don't expect right. to be, and I don't want any tie-ins No, no, at and all. there won't be. Just they, leave they, it they never yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they seem to be creating these two different things, and I just assumed that this Batgirl one was going to be a part of one, not the other. They've decided to slide it in with the main DCEU storyline that they've got going on. So okay. it's it's going to be interesting. <laughs> Again, we've had no time here, guys, to actually analyze this, wrap our heads around it. It literally just dropped a few minutes ago. So uh, that's that. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, in upcoming episodes. The question is for you guys. What do you think about this? James Gordon in the Batgirl movie apparently will not be played by Jeffrey Wright, but rather... J.K. Simmons Academy Award winner. What do you guys think about this? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top. We got a lot today. <laughs> and that off the top is this. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with Netflix um, in, in the sense that I love their original series. Join the club. I, I honestly <laughs> think that aside from HBO who HBO to me is still the gold standard when it comes to creating the highest quality series. They are still the gold standard. But I think besides them, I think Netflix is a close second. I think they have done a fabulous job with their original series. I do not think they've done a very good job with their original movies. Nine plus out of 10 are usually garbage. Um, they're usually just horrible. I just watched another one that I had high hopes for, uh, high hopes for in Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, God, yeah. that was... Another John Wick. And I loved everybody Grandpa. in it. I love all the people who are in it. The and... cast, everyone's my, my favorite, oh. but yeah. But anyway, they have... Now, look, it's not to say that they've never put out some good ones. Um, Old Guard is one that I love. I loved Old Guard. Obviously, The Irishman. And there, there are a few others. It's just that for every one old guard, there's about nine or ten six underground yeah, I'd agree with, that. with mm -hmm. Ryan Reynolds. Now, this is interesting because, you know, Netflix has never really acknowledged that they have a problem when it comes to their original films. And it seems like they are indeed now acknowledging that they have some problems with their original films. This comes to us from the folks... Uh, over at Joe Blow, who they were initially talking, they're, they're talking to Stuber. He's the the head guy of all original films over at Netflix. And they originally started talking about Six Underground because it's now official. They're not going to do a follow-up to Six Underground, which the original plan was to make a franchise out of. It, of course, stars Ryan Reynolds, big action. And, you know, there's some good action in it. There is, but it's a, it's a terrible movie overall. Directed by Michael Bay, who I actually like a lot of Michael Bay movies, so shut up. Anyway, but it was directed by Michael Bay, not so good, not so hot. So originally the, he talked about how, yeah, Six Underground is not so good. We're not going to do more. But he actually went on to talk a little bit more about how it's not just Six Underground. It's also the fact, um, I should say, it's not just Six Underground. It's also basically their original movies in general. All right. This comes to us from, uh, again, from Scott Stuber, the head of film at Netflix, where he first he talks about Six Underground, where he says, we didn't feel like we got there on that one creatively. No kidding. 
It was a nice hit, but at the end of the day, we didn't feel like we nailed the mark to justify coming back again to Six Underground. There just wasn't that deep love for those characters or that world. Now, where this gets interesting is that he goes on to start talking about all their films in general when he says the following. We have to be more consistent at making these movies more culturally relevant and putting them in the zeitgeist. We know the audience is there for these movies, but I want people to feel that impact in their conversations with friends and colleagues where they're saying, hey, did you hear about this movie Old Guard? We've done it, but we haven't done it consistently. And that again comes to us from the head of film at Netflix, Scott Stuber. We've done it. We've had a few good ones, but we haven't done it consistently. That's putting it mildly. But I will tell you what, whereas I see some people on- online right now saying, ah, ha, ha, they're admitting failure. I'll tell you this. I, as a subscriber of Netflix, I am encouraged hearing Scott Stuber saying this. Because what do they say in life? You can't fix a problem until you acknowledge that you have one. Improvement begins with acknowledgement. Yes. And until you acknowledge there's a problem and you just pretend like there's no problem, you're never going to improve and you're never going to fix it. Yep. For the head of Netflix film to basically come out and acknowledge, we haven't exactly done a great job with our original movies. We've had a couple of decent ones and they have, they have had a couple of decent ones, but for him to come out and say, yeah, we got to do better. We've got to do better because all he has to do is look across the hallway at the Netflix offices and see the original scripted uh, originals division at Netflix and seeing how they kill it on an all. I mean, it's very rarely that they put out an original series that I think is a dud. They do no, put out a few. I just but the majority love Death of them and Robots, Mindhunter. Like they're, they've got some on and on. We could see her for an wonderful, hour. Wonderful, wonderful series. But I mean, there's nothing worse than the the girl at the party or the guy at the party that walks around thinking they're all fly, and they got a big piece of spinach in their tooth. <laughs> so, and they're looking at people like nothing wrong with me. You're so lucky to look at me. The best thing for fans is when we see something. And we feel unheard when we're like, do you not see what I'm seeing? (laughs) Your movies aren't that great. The best thing is when the higher ups are recognizing what we recognize and they do something about it. Recognizing the problem is the first step. And I don't think, ha ha, yeah, you're defeated. I think, nice. You see what we see. Let's move forward. I believe in you when it comes to series. Let's do it with the films. I am really encouraged that they're they're realizing this. And I hope they their marketing department um, takes note too, because there's nothing I, I hate more than scrolling, 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 scrolling in Netflix and realizing there was a great film that no one ever told me about or there was a great series. So I say that's great. I say it's great. Yeah, and, and again, it, it makes me as a subscriber feel good. And by the way, she stays rent-free since in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that. Um, it makes me feel more confident to not only that he's admitting to us, the audience that, Hey, we haven't been very good at making these things, but it makes me feel confident knowing that he knows it and that he's identified it because it tells me he's committed yes. to getting better and to making better films. And listen, we as film fans can often make a the egregious mistake of just assuming making good movies is easy. It's not, it's monumentally hard. And the fact that they will identify it, point their finger and say, 
And it begins with leadership because how many times did you have storytellers, did you have producers and filmmakers that wanted to go one direction creatively and the higher ups were kind of guiding things. And then you got a product that you were like, damn, that would have been so good if it encourages me that the higher ups are thinking on the level. Cause I'm sure. And when it comes to the Netflix films that there are some creatives that have said, Mm, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. And honestly, it, it always comes from leadership. So the best thing is when leadership is listening to feedback and they're admitting it, they're not being prideful, be humble. Success is in humility. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's they're great. showing it. And I got to tell you, that's great. Uh, you don't often hear me saying Bravo film division at Netflix. But bravo, film division at Netflix. Because you know what? Often, I've never freaking heard you say that, John. I I talk about Dave Filoni sometimes, you know, who's who's one of the execs over at at, uh, Lucasfilm. And, you know, I I have never, what really got me on board with Dave Filoni was during the making of videos that they did for Mandalorian season one and seeing Dave Filoni, who is a big wig over at Lucasfilm who could throw his weight around. When we saw Dave Filoni on set of Mandalorian, he had never directed anything live action. And we heard Dave Filoni say, I have no idea what I'm doing. Oh yeah, at that round table they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was on set and they said, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Thank God I've got people like Jon Favreau to mentor me. And when I saw that, I was like, this dude is not going to be a good director he is going to be a great live action director because look at his attitude. His attitude is attitude like, attitude is everything. I don't know anything. I need to learn. And I'm here with people who can teach me shit. And I'm like, this guy's going to be awesome. As He's going to be director. great. Yeah. That's what makes you great. It's the people that walk around thinking they're all that, thinking you're so grateful to be in my presence. Uh, I have it all figured out because you know what? You don't know what you don't know. And when you open yourself up, to the criticism and just take it with a grain of salt and take it in and say, you know what? Maybe I am not doing this the best way. That's how you turn the ship around and you start churning out things that people are really excited about. Yeah. So anyway, guys, the question is for you. You've heard me for ages talk about and lament about the low, low quality of Netflix original films, but I'll tell you what I am impressed. I am impressed by this stand that this public statement that their leader has come out and said, it gives me faith that he recognizes there's an issue and it convinces me that he is committed to turning that thing around and to give better quality movies and not just a high quantity of movies. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this statement? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, we got another off the top here. And this one to what me just is dropped. fast. It's not a brand new fast one. Fast and it Furious come out this and morning. Jurassic Park are coming together oh, we finally. We talked about that rumor. <laughs> so here's this one. This one is this. You know, Lord of the Rings, clearly one of the most celebrated franchises of all time. Um, they it is it are movies that you need to go back and watch every. It's year. my rainy day movie. Pick. It is. There's you, you're going to run out of words talking about how utterly brilliant. All three of the trilogy were nominated for Best Picture. The final one, Return of the King, holds the record for the most Academy Award wins in the history of film. It's tied, shared with two other films. No other film in history has ever won more Academy Awards than Lord of the Rings Return of the King. It's celebrated. But it's also well known that Peter Jackson and the studio worked very closely together. And Peter Jackson took a lot of notes from the studio. Peter Jackson sometimes, you know, he took a lot of the notes from the studios. Sometimes he pushed back and got his thing. It was a really good collaborative effort. 
One of the things that apparently he was getting pushed from the studio on that I'd never heard of before was the fact that out of the four main hobbits, the studio really wanted him to kill one of them off. They really Ooh. wanted Peter Jackson to kill one of them off and say, you know what? They, they just, I guess they felt they needed to raise the stakes or something like that. And of course, Peter Jackson ultimately dug in his heels and he said, no. Now, this comes to us from the folks uh, over at IndieWire who wrote the following. IGN reports that Boyd and Monaghan, now these are the two guys who played Mary and Pippin, and they've got their own new uh, podcast that they're doing together. They just launched a new podcast. But oh, anyway, nice. Okay. they just Gotta revealed a time when Peter Jackson was being pressured from above to have one of the four hobbits die in the film, even though they survived in the books. Luckily, Jackson didn't succumb to the demands of the producers, and if he did... Monaghan said it most likely would have been Mary on the chopping block because he pointed out that Pippin had too close of a relationship with Gandalf, so they weren't going to do that. They obviously weren't going to kill Samwise, and obviously they weren't going to kill Frodo, so it was going to be him. Now look, it wouldn't have ultimately been that big of a deal because, you know, there's not a Lord of the Rings 4, and I'm sure, you know, he would have made it into the final film, but what we would have missed out on is I don't think there's a moment in movies that brings me to tears nearly as much as one of the 17 endings of Lord of the Rings Return of the King. When the battle has been won, all of Gondor is gathered uh, you know, on the top cliff rock, and the king now comes through, he's being greeted by everybody, and he greets the hobbits, and they start to bow to the king, and the king says, my friends, you bow to no one. I'm almost tearing up, just repeating. I kid you not. I am almost tearing up right now, just saying the line. When the king says to these hobbits, my friends, you bow to no one. And then the king of Gondor bows down. And then the camera pans back in this wide shot where you see all of Middle Earth kneeling and bowing to these four hobbits. I'm getting emotional just talking Don't about cry. it. Okay? <laughs> I'm getting cry. emotional just talking about it. And then to have this shot that I have up here on screen right now, this shot that I have up here on screen, when you have these four hobbits, and by the way, all four of these performers played it perfectly. Like they're all Perfect stunned. casting. And moved. Per I love them. And like if they had killed off one of those, it would have changed this scene for me. And I love this scene. So, yeah, but listen, one of the things Peter, one of the things that uh, Monahan said was, you know, Peter told them that it's in the books that they live and we got to stay true to the books. And I'm like, okay, but Peter, come on, you changed a lot that was in the books, but, but that's fine too, too. Tom Bombadil, anybody? But anyway, that was there. I'm glad they didn't kill him off. I'm glad that is one of the areas that Peter Jackson stood for him. What do you think when you I'm hear about so this? I'm so glad this he pressure? didn't give in. And that's like we were talking about how the creatives have their vision and sometimes the higher ups are like, you know, it'll be great. Sometimes just trust your artist. Trust your artist, you know, and I, I'm so glad they didn't. I love those guys. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's my rainy day movie. I love those films. And please don't ever kill them off. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that. Anyway, the question is for you guys. What do you think about, I mean, really, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm sure they wouldn't have killed him off until way into the third film. So it wouldn't have changed an awful lot. But I I would have lost that on that last scene. How do you guys feel about it? Do you think a, a nice, like, for people who knew the books, it would have been a shock 
If they killed one of them, maybe that could have been good. I mean, I don't know. I'm glad they didn't change it. How about you jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, let me just double check this because I'm not sure. Uh, oh, oh yeah. no, did something else draw? <laughs> one other thing we got to do off the top and then we'll actually get into our main topics today. There was a lot that came out this morning, guys. Dang, a lot homie. that came out this morning. Now, just earlier in the show today, we were talking about some, just some, of the drama going on over at Disney with particularly surrounding Black Widow. Of course, we talked a little bit earlier about the fact that Scarlett Johansson is now suing Disney over the fact that they did the day and date release with the Disney Plus premium $30 access as well as theatrical when they had contractual obligations to make it a theatrical exclusive. And now Scarlett Johansson is suing them. Well, they're not, Scarlett Johansson isn't the only person who's pointing out what an absolute debacle this whole $30 premium charge thing has been for Disney. Uh, look, the Mulan experiment was a failure. The Raya experiment was a failure. By the way, I like both those movies. The uh, Cruella experiment with premium was a failure. They had some success with a big MCU movie with Black Widow. They made $60 million in an opening weekend with that, but then they stopped reporting the numbers because they dove like crazy. This has been an unmitigated failure for Disney. There's no other way to put it. It just has. And it's caused a lot of tension and infighting going on over Disney, so a lot of people are being told right now. One of the other uh, people who's coming out right now to actually point out what a disaster this whole thing has been, particularly for Black Widow, is the chairman and the CEO of IMAX. And the oh, chairman wow. and CEO of IMAX, he just came out and said some things. We're going to take this kind of step by step through what he was talking about. The first thing is this. He said the following. This is from the CEO of IMAX. There is really no question in my mind that the combination of PVOD and a lot of piracy, now the PVOD is talking about, of course, is the $30 premium charge that they yeah. take for day and day, that the PVOD and a lot of piracy, people haven't really talked about it that much. Clearly, there's a lot of piracy that accounted for the cannibalization, and it significantly affected the box office at the end of the day. So one of the things that the CEO is, of Netflix is, or of IMAX is saying is that, look, Obviously, by making it available at home for 30 bucks, that's going to hurt the box office. But now, pirates have these full HD, high-def, beautiful copies that they can make, and yep. that caused a lot of piracy. That hurt the box office as well. Yeah. So that was another thing that hurt. But he goes on, and he says, he brings up some really interesting points when he says the following. He says, every studio has seen the same data that Disney has seen. What Disney did is experiment during the pandemic, which is what they said they were going to do. I remember Disney CEO Bob Chapek saying at one of their investor days that when times are normal, he thinks theatrical is important, exclusivity is important. And I think when he looks at the data and the pandemic is in the rearview mirror, that he'll come to the same conclusion that everybody else does. The way to maximize value is to have a theatrical window. He goes on to finish by saying, it's hard to quantify it, but some statistic gets this. Some statistics I find interesting is that F9, which is the more traditional distribution model, it had a theatrical exclusive release, will gross about $700 million worldwide when it's all said and done. And Black Widow will gross about half of that. Black Widow was a great movie. So when I think about it, there is no doubt that a lot of money was left on the table. That, of course, comes to us from the uh, CEO 
of IMAX pointing out that look. When the other things he points out are this, in a traditional theatrical release, you have about four or five different points as a company where you make money. You do the theatrical exclusive release, you make tons of money. After the theatrical release is done, you have your uh, PVOD. You can buy it on Amazon or sorry, buy, it, buy it on Amazon or buy it on Apple or buy it on iTunes or whatever. Now they've sold it again. Hmm. Then they have their digital rentals. Then they have their Blu-ray and DVD releases. And then ultimately it ends up on their streaming service to bring people in to watch that as library content. They make money every single step of the way. One of the things that he pointed out in this interview that I didn't bring up as one of the quotes was that now you sold it once. You, you sell a $30 thing to somebody, great, you made 30 bucks there minus their, their provider fees. You made 30 bucks there. But now, when it was a theatrical exclusive, somebody went to go see it. If they loved it, they went back to see it again in a few days. And then, when it came out on digital, th two months later, three months later, they would buy it again. And you were able to make money along that way. In this model... Okay, you get some people to buy it for 30 bucks, but that 30 bucks could have been a living room full of 12 people. Now those people don't have to go and see it again. I know people that it. had parties, little like salsa. But I have a friend yeah. that did a, like a, um, she had like a taco bar. She did like this salsa night. Like after we're, we're going to watch in the Heights together. And afterwards, you know, she got a nice backyard. We're going to do a salsa night at my house. And like 20 people yeah. went to her house. I mean, she made an event of it. It was great. It was fun. It was awesome. But that's 20 people that weren't in the theater. The bummer about this is that, okay, to play devil's advocate, it makes me think when we were dealing with COVID, in the thick of it, we didn't know how long things would happen. And people were like, look, and the studios was, they were on the couch with everybody going, I don't know when my kids are going back to school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I don't know when I'll wear pants again in a meeting. Um, you know, and so they had to come up with something so that people can get their work out because at the time it's like, you know, remember we had everyone pushing back, pushing their film back and this film got pushed back and now no time to die is pushed back. But then we didn't know when we would come out of the woods. And even if we came out of the woods, you know, before the vaccine was out, so to play devil's advocate, I kind of understand why they developed this model and was like, let's just go with it because we don't know what this looks like yet. Yes. We don't know when people are going back to the theater and we don't want to give up on the theaters. They are lifeblood. So I, I know it feels like a betrayal to the theaters because as we came out of things, it was still so uncertain. And also you're it seeing still is. now it that still we've is. got um, the... Now that we've got the variant, now we've got the vaccine, the variant is loose. Um, now that we've got the vaccine, still not everyone's taking it. And now Disneyland the other day, yep. you got to wear your mask if you're going to come into the park. So now we're kind of regressing. So I get the uncertainty of the studio going, look, I really need to go with this model of day and date release. I need to stick with this because I don't know. That's my devil's advocate. Approach. Well, look, and listen, My I, other, I yeah. have said the same thing. Yeah. Like, if you want to test this model, listen, because I have been trashing this model because every bit of data comes out shows that it's failing. It's, it's failing now that we're open. But if you think of when we were on the couch and we didn't know when failing. we'd see daylight, it was failing. But it was like, look, is Black Widow going to get pushed back to 2025? Like, when are we going to be out of quarantine? Well, so I, it's yeah, hard figuring out life now. They still could have put it out. But I will say this, and I've said this before. 
as a company, and I, I know this is going to sound strange because I, because I'm trashing on this, you need to test it more. Like, because, like, because I always believe if you're going to really test a significant model, you cannot do testing with a small sample size. I believe that this is going to be, I believe that this weekend, um, uh, Jungle Cruise, I think it's going to be their fifth movie or si fifth or sixth movie that they're doing with this. And, and I guarantee you it's not going to do well. No, but it's not. They need to test. They're going to need to do it with more movies. And I know that sounds weird for me to say because I hate this model, but at the end of the day, if you pull the plug on it, you have to be able to look in the mirror and say, we really did test it thoroughly yeah. to see that it was, that it could have worked or that it absolutely failed. And I don't believe four or five films is enough to definitively say that this was a failure. I think it's a failure, but I still think they need to test it out more. As of right now, Disney has no other movies on the schedule that they're going to be doing this premium $30 release for. Oh, they don't. Jungle oh, I was Cruise wondering that the, the other day. One. Jungle Cruise is the last one. The okay. Last one that they've okay. got scheduled. I think they need to do more. I think they should wait a little bit and then test out a few more movies to see how it goes. Because who knows? I mean, even though it's been an abject failure right now, maybe once everything gets back to normal, having the odd film have a premium release during normal circumstances. Yeah. I don't think it'll work, but it might. So they should try it out. So I just think it's, there's some really, but I get their point here. about the, the pirates. Cause no longer gone are yeah. the days of the, the, you know, the little shaky the, the guy in the background and <laughs> sit down, baby crying, shut up. You know, it, that's not what your pirated movie looks like. Now it looks like you got the DVD really, really, really early and they put like special touches like these pirates are doing great work. Not that I pirate movies because I don't. I actually do support movies. Um, but it's not what you were, you know, it's not what you were getting before. So I get that putting it online opens up a new risk. You know, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it totally it's a total does. new risk. And so a lot of people aren't even paying that $30. Yeah. They're like, what's your password? Let me do my thing and offer this to hundreds of people. You're losing a ton of money. And I, I see like Angel in the live chat is saying, keep releasing movies on streaming. It's the only way people will watch them. No, that's not true. No. Actually, the numbers are proving that's not true. Don't lose faith in the theaters. And you'll lose money. And they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars that Don't they're leaving on the table. Don't lose faith in our theaters. But here's yeah. the interesting thing. This has always part of, been part of the debate. You know, I talk to people who will say, I, I, there are some people like me who the movie going experience is the best thing in the world. Like whenever I wake up in the morning, knowing I'm going to a movie theater that night, it's a good day for me. There are some people who prefer watching things at home. Why? I don't know. You sit on your ass every day in the same fucking couch, watching the same TV on your wall. And you just want to do that again tomorrow. Okay, fine. But if that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm not here to judge. That's okay. We all love different things, but under the existing theatrical model, you get both. There's the full theatrical experience. The studios get to make their money. And then a little bit later, they're going to have it on home streaming with PVOD or your streaming service. It just, the only caveat to You'll that still is get you, the got, home you experience. gotta wait, you know, yeah. what is it? Eight weeks. You yeah. gotta wait 12 weeks, whatever, but you get it. You get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Whereas this current model, they is should losing go back money to every, waiting. Everybody's they should go back to money. waiting. Yep. Everybody's losing money right now. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this all. And again, I say all that. But I still firmly believe Disney has to test it more just to make sure. I really do. I honestly think they have to test it more. Even though I hate it, you have to give it a shot.
But that's so, good to know that Jungle Cruise is the last. I didn't know that. I didn't realize Jungle Cruise was the last one. And the I'm, last one they currently have scheduled. That they have scheduled. But yeah, I think so. that's good, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. I think the guy from IMAX makes a lot of great valid points and points out a lot of interesting statistics. He sure does. I mean, F9, granted, it made some China money, but that didn't account for the fact that it made double the amount of, more than double the amount of money than Black Widow's going to make. And one of them got a traditional theatrical release and one of them did not. Anyway, guys, what do you think about this? We all have different opinions. It's good for us to have different opinions. You may have a totally different opinion than mine, and that's okay. Jump on down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. I told you there was a lot of stuff to talk about today. So much drama. only now are we getting into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you think we need to have as a main topic on The John Campy Show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It is absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down... Let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Boris. And Boris writes, Hey, John. Being Thursday, I hope Erin is here. Erin is actually traveling right now. She sends her deep love and well wishes to everybody, but she's traveling at the moment. She'll be back again next week. I hope Erin is here for today's show because we just got to see her in the new trailer for King Richard. The trailer was great. Will Smith looks like he's going to be giving us all an incredible performance as a massive tennis fan. I am hanging out to see their story. Uh, have you had a chance to see it yet? And if so, what are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in Boris. And yes, we have been waiting for a long time for King Richard, particularly around here. Now, of course, King Richard is the new film by Will Smith, where he plays the father of of uh, the character's name is Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams, two of the greatest tennis female tennis players of all time. Yeah. Now, what's made this of particular interest around here, of course, is the fact that we have known for over a year, because Aaron was supposed to shoot this, Aaron Cummings, our own Aaron Cummings, who's normally here on Thursdays, she was scheduled to go in and start shooting for this movie and literally got called the day before she was supposed to go oh in to shoot gosh. with the everything's being shut down because of COVID. Oh my gosh. So finally, and thankfully they didn't recast her role a year later. A year later, she, she got the call. We're back filming again. She went into film and not only did they film, but as you watch the trailer, who shows up in the trailer? Aaron effing Cummings shows up she's featured in the trailer she's like in the entire first third of the trailer yes which is amazing she's like I, one of the first faces you you see she's one of the first absolute faces i messaged her right away i was like girl oh my god i see you i see you i see you <laughs> now now aaron wants me to make clear to everybody because i was talking with aaron last night she would like me to make clear to everybody that don't let the trailer fool you she is not like girl. She's not Will Smith's co-star in the movie. <laughs> she's in a small. She's in a small amount of the movie. She's not like starring Will Smith and Aaron Cummings, even though the trailer makes it look like that. So she wants everybody to know that. But still, I got to tell you, 
I love it when I when I turn on something, I get to see Aaron's face. So Aaron will be back next week to talk about her experiences on King Richard for sure. But moving beyond, you know, obviously Aaron being in there. Oh my god, this trailer is smelling some Oscars. Fantastic! Uh-huh. It looks absolutely fantastic. Now this comes to us from the folks. Um, where are we at? This comes to us from the folks over at Joe Blow who write the following. Led by Will Smith and what could be an Oscar-worthy role. That's the first thing I thought when I saw the story. It's like, oh, yep. like Will, Big Willie's going for another Oscar nom. Yeah. Anyway, King Richard chronicles the rise of Venus and Serena Williams from the city of Compton to the courts of Wimbledon. Not just an aspirational tale, but one of commitment and perseverance. This movie looks like a surefire showcase for what Smith can achieve as an actor when not shooting guns or cracking wise. Closer to six degrees of separation than the schmaltzy The Pursuit of Happiness. King Richard looks to be game, set, match. Ah, Joe Blow, see what you did there. Oh, you're so (laughs) clever. Um, Anyway, uh, honestly and and truly, the trailer was fantastic. I mean, I was watching this and Will Smith... Look, Will Smith is such a huge personality yeah. that when he shows up in something, it's hard not to see Will Smith. I didn't see Will Smith about after five or 10 seconds into this trailer. I just saw this character and he played it so well. It was great seeing John Bernthal pop up in there as well. I know, right? Uh, which was, I, I totally forgot that he was even appearing in this. This movie looks fantastic. And obviously, I'm not going to deny I'm a little bit biased because Aaron's in it. But still, looked great to me. Kim, you had a chance to see this trailer. What do you think about it? It looked awesome. I'm very excited. And I'm excited to to hear the story. I mean, because you hear news clips here and there. But in terms of, you know, as a, as a parent, I'm not a parent. I've got nephews and nieces. But when your kid is real little and they throw a ball and you're like, did you see, did you see that? Olympic <laughs> material. Did you see that? Did you see the way they threw the angle of the ball? Like as a proud parent, everyone thinks their kid's going to be a star. But when you have a child and you start watching them and you start noticing, whoa, my kid is like really blowing people out of the water. When people are walking over and looking at your kid and going, your kid's something special. As a parent, what do you do with that? Because I'm sure people looked at their father and saw them. You know, you see in the trailer, they're playing tennis in the rain. They're playing tennis late at night. They got school in the morning. It's very, the story is very interesting to me of parents who have incredibly gifted children and where that story can go. Because you, you're almost like, is this abuse? And it's like, no, when you've got someone that talented that you know can make it to the, the Olympics, that you know can be a world-class athlete, what do you do with that? How do you keep them on track? How do you keep them out of trouble? How do you keep them conditioning with the best coaches and the best teams? I think there's such a wonderfully intense story there. Um, I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, it, it looks so good. Question is for you guys. Obviously, all of us here are probably a little bit biased seeing our own Aaron Cummings in there. But honestly, guys, what did you guys think? about the King the the King Richard trailer. I thought it looked fantastic. How did you guys feel about it? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Aaron Gray, who writes, Greetings, John and Rob. Obviously, Rob's not here on Thursdays. I'm a big fan of the Ocean's Eleven films. I I am too, as a matter of fact. Even the Ocean's Eight movie that they just did recently. I liked it too, as a matter of fact. A little while ago, You talked about Don Cheadle discussing the chances of another Oceans film. 
And I was wondering if you saw that Matt Damon also just talked about it, saying that he'd like to come back for another one. With multiple actors from the originals talking about it, do you think another Oceans movie could be in the cards? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, listen, I am a sucker for heist films. And actually, Oceans 11 is one of those rare examples of a remake that is better than the original. Yeah. At least I think it was. And I like the, I mean, yeah, not all of them were awesome, but I like them too. And you're right. Don Cheadle recently talked about the fact that there has been some discussions about coming back and doing another one. And now Matt Damon, who's obviously on the tour circuit promoting his new film, he was just asked about it and he had something to say. So let's look at both what Matt Damon and Don Cheadle had to say about this. So first let's look at what Matt Damon just said. So Matt Damon just said, it would talking about maybe doing another oceans film. It would always be up to Steven Soderbergh. If there was a story, we have lost a couple of our members, obviously because a few guys have passed away. So we wouldn't have to, so we would have to figure it out. We are a depleted gang now, but he went on to say that, yeah, I'm down. I want to do it. Now let's go back a couple of weeks and look at what Don Cheadle said just a few weeks ago about it. When he was asked about another oceans film, we were talking about it about doing another one. And then Bernie passed away. And very quickly we were like, no, we don't want to do it. But I just did a movie with Steven. That's Steven Soderbergh. And he said, I think there may be a way to do it again. I'm thinking about it. And it didn't go much further than that, but I don't know. I don't know who all would be in it. I imagine the main group of us would be in it. It would be interesting to see. So this is a little bit of a situation of where there's smoke, maybe there's fire. I hope there's fire. Maybe there's fire. But I'll tell you what. Watching, what's the name of the girl from Speed who was just an ocean Sandra space? Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Why do I always forget Sandra's name? But you know, in Sandra's version, they heavily teased. They heavily teased. The original Ocean's gang is still out there. Even the George Clooney character it was totally cheap. Like when she's sitting in front of his tomb and saying, you actually better be in there. Clearly he's not. So clearly they were hinting that he's still out there. There's even There was even some whispers about them merging the two different casts, yeah. which I would be totally down for. Yes. By the way, and you had that movie with Anne Hathaway, Kate uh, Blanchett, and we- Mandy Kaling, Rihanna, Aquafina. On and on and on. I thought Anne Hathaway actually stole that movie. Oh, you did? I, she was so good in that. Anyway, um, now we've got a couple of the actors coming out making public statements about it. I'll tell you this. I have no proof of this. I think we are getting another Ocean's 11 film. I, I do. I, whether it be called Ocean's 17, Ocean's 41, whatever it's going to be, I think we're going to get one. I think that Steven Soderbergh is pl probably working it out right now, like what he told Don Cheadle. I think the fact that Don Cheadle and Matt Damon are both publicly saying things about it, I think we're going to get one. I really do. And I think they're going to merge the cast. Again, don't take that to the bank. This is just me speculating. But that's what I'm taking out of this. Anyway, let me ask you this. This could just be a couple of guys independently saying random things. And maybe it never happens. But number one, do you think that we're going to get another Oceans film? And then number two, are you down for another Oceans film? What do you think? Oh, man. I'm a huge fan of the Oceans films. Uh, I definitely think we're getting an Oceans film. And I think we're better together. I think they should merge. I don't think you need to separate and do, well, the, the female version of this and the male version, we're better together. The actors are all fantastic. 
Steven Soderbergh, he is the king of cool and something that films I feel like in the past mm, five, six years have been missing. We've had our Marvel films. We've had our John Wick and everyone that wants to be like John Wick. Something we've been missing is just cool. <laughs> the Kate Blanchett, her character was freaking cool. George Clooney, when they, the suits, the, the Genesis Qua, the heist, we, we've been missing films with just cool ass people and a cool ass plot. And so definitely, I think not only should they do one, but there's room for one. Um, secondly, I was thinking in terms of either merging the cast or bringing on new people. I mean, of course, we lost the great Bernie Mac and Carl Reiner, but... I think Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock 100% should be in the film. But there's some new people that I feel like belong in an Oceans film. I don't know if you have been turned on to Sebastian Maniscalco. He's a great comedian, uh, super funny. He's been dipping his toe in acting. However, the films that he's been dipping his toe in are Oscar-nominated, award-winning films. He, was, he had a small role in Green Book. Uh, he was in The Irishman. Um, Robert De Niro is actually playing his real father in a new, in a new movie oh, wow. they're working on. Sebastian Maniscalco is getting up there, but he's he. You don't have to get someone to play the Italian guy. He is that <laughs> Italian guy, but he but he's that Italian guy. He's got the charisma. He's super funny, and I'm like. I think he belongs, when I think of Vegas or wherever they intend to do the film, he belongs in an Oceans movie. Because I think you need some new blood. You, you do need some new blood in it. But I think he would be great. But I would also, this is kind of weird, I would also really like to see Oscar Isaac as the antagonist. Like in something a little bit more funny. Mm. Kind of kind of played like the something Andy Garcia funny, kind play of the, role. Like the Andy the Garcia film. role. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Oscar Isaac, he's such a great dramatic actor. But I think they could do something hilarious with him. And I and this these movies are jam-packed. With actors, it's like a, a club of the last Hollywood actors. It's like, like a higher class expendables. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like there'll never be another Brad Pitt. George, that level of movie star. Yeah. Like this is a club and I, I'm so here for it. I, I hope, hope they do, they do it. I, I hope really they do. do. They just have to figure out a way to do it and, and keep the budget reasonable because you're, I mean, you're, whoo, these, all these actors would have to be uh, willing to say, We'll all take pay cuts so we can all do it. And yeah. let's see if that And don't you happens. dare tell me you're releasing it the same day it comes yeah, in theaters. In theater. You want to talk about lawsuits? You don't want to go there with nope. the Clooney's and the Pitts and the Andy Garcia's. No. Let's not play that game. <laughs> all right, guys, the question is for you. Uh, you've heard about this. So, so what do you think? There's two questions here, really. Number one, do you think that they're actually going to do another Oceans film at some, at some point? And then the second question is, are you down for it? I am a sucker for heist movies, so of course I'd be down for it. Question is, what do you guys think about this? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our third and final main topic today. And our third and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Riley Elliott, who writes, Hey, John and Aaron, and obviously Aaron's traveling right now, so she's not here today. Um, okay, we all saw the relationship between Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers burn to the ground in front of our very eyes with the HBO Max thing that they did. So now Netflix is saying they're going to go after Nolan hard to try to bring him on board and to do his next film with with to do the, uh, his next film with them. With all the movies Netflix has been making lately, including deals with Spielberg, do you think they actually have a chance? 
at landing Christopher Nolan. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And this, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about that interview with Stuber, who is the, the head guy of films at Netflix, talking about how, hey, they acknowledge we have not done a great job with making our original films. We have not been consistent. And that's fair because it's true. Now, Christopher Nolan is probably still right now the most revered name in directing today. I mean, I still think Steven Spielberg is the greatest of all time, but I think maybe today, Christopher Nolan, you can make that argument. He's the guy right now. Him, Denis Villeneuve, guys like that. Nolan has been a staunch Warner Brothers guy for years. That relationship is done. Burn that bridge. They burned the bridge. Obviously, it was difficult trying to figure out what to do with Tenet, but once... Warner Brothers made that announcement that all their 2021 films were going to go day and date on HBO Max and theaters. Everybody lost their shit, including Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, who came out and just put Warner Brothers on full blast, took the sword, drove it deep into their belly and said F you as they died. I mean, that's pretty much what he did. So that relationship is clearly done. So the question becomes, where does Christopher Nolan go next? What does he do now? And Netflix is actually stepping up and saying, not only do we want him, we're going to do everything we can. This comes to us again from Scott Stuber, the head film guy over at Netflix. He said the following, if and when he comes up with his new movie, it's about, can we be a home for it? And what would we need to do to make that happen? He is an incredible filmmaker. That's an understatement. I am going to do everything I can. In this business, I've learned you need to have zero ego. I get punched and knocked down, and I get back up again. Again, he is an incredible filmmaker talking about Christopher Nolan, and I am going to do everything I can. In this business, I've learned you need to have zero ego. So listen, they're making it clear. Netflix is making it clear. We want to be in the Christopher Nolan business. Now, of course, every studio wants in the Christopher Nolan business. Obviously, they do. The hiccup and the stumble with Tenet notwithstanding, I'm not Tenet's biggest fan. I like the film, but to me, even though I think it's good, I thought it's one of his worst movies. That's that's saying something about Christopher Nolan. It's good. And being good makes it one of his worst. Yeah. Anyway, so they want... They want Adam hardcore. Here's the thing, though. It's going to be challenging for two different reasons. Challenge number one is the fact that everybody's going to be going after him. So Netflix is not just going to be competing against, you know, trying to get him away from Warner Brothers because everybody knows he's probably done with Warner Brothers. Paramount's going to go after him. Disney's going to go after him. Universal's going to go after him. Lionsgate's going to go after them. Sony's going to go after them. They're all going to go after them. So that's problem number one for Netflix. The second big problem for Netflix is this, though. Christopher Nolan has not been a big fan of Netflix. He has made some very public statements about he does not like Netflix's model. He hates that they do a uh, they that they don't do a theatrical release with their films. You know, he believes in the theatrical He really window. believes in the theatrical he experience. He wants the movies yeah. to be in theaters first, then put it on Netflix, and he has criticized Netflix heavily in the past for the fact that they don't do that model. 
And he thinks they're leaving a lot of money on the table. He thinks they're leaving a lot of success on the table. And he thinks they're keeping some filmmakers away, including him. So these are two major hurdles that Netflix has to overcome. Let's talk about hurdle number one. Hurdle number one being they got to compete against the other studios. In this hurdle, I like their chances. Netflix has never been afraid to throw around, even foolishly, they've never been afraid to throw around a lot of money. Even when it's not the smart thing to do. To the point where you wonder how they even operate. No, you wonder sometimes how <laughs> they're like, still in business. What? That's yeah. a lot of money. There's a reason they are billions of dollars in debt. But, but yes, they are not afraid to throw around money if it's something that they believe in doing. So when it comes to the competition problem, I believe they can compete with Netflix, or with, um, with Amazon. We'll probably be in that run too. With Amazon, with Universal, with Sony, with Disney, with Paramount, with L. Uh, they, can, they can compete with them. So I don't think that's their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is going to be the fact that Christopher Nolan does not like the way they do business. He doesn't like their model. It's not that he doesn't like them. He doesn't like their model. When Stuber then says, I'm going to do everything I can. Everything. Everything. <laughs> says the, the creepy <laughs> manager to the young waitress uh, applying for a job. You'll do anything. Oh, you creepy son of a bitch. He says he'll do anything. Yeah. Here's a question. Would anything to land Christopher Nolan? Christopher freaking Nolan. What which let's, let, let's look. It was a big two de, coup de gras when they ended up getting the rights to the next two Knives Out movies. They paid four hundred and thirty something million dollars to get that. That was a big coup. And they've got some incredible talent coming along with it. A ton coming yeah. along with it. When they signed a deal with Steven Spielberg, it's obviously not an exclusive deal, but when they signed a deal with Steven Spielberg, big thing. This would be, no no exaggeration, if they could land Christopher Nolan, this would be the biggest splash Netflix has ever made when it comes to the world of original films. So, understanding that, could they possibly do something they have never done before, which is say, Christopher Nolan, you come here, we will sign a deal for an exclusive theatrical window for your films. We will sign a deal that says we will put your films in an exclusive theatrical window and then that movie will become the exclusive home at Netflix after it's had a theatrical window. It is something they have never done before. It is completely contrary to their model, a model that has problems, but it's contrary to their model. But you are talking about arguably the biggest name in filmmaking today. And you've got your head of film saying, I need to do whatever I can to try to land this guy. And if you want to talk about bringing instant cachet to your name and your brand name and your company, there's nothing bigger they could do than this. So let me ask you, Kimberly, would Netflix be willing in talking to Christopher Nolan to put into the deal we will make your films exclusively theatrical and then we will make Netflix's exclusive home after a theatrical window, something they have never done. Would they be willing to do it? And number two, if they do, does that get Christopher Nolan's interest? What do you think happens? Oh my gosh. Um, 
I think if you want Christopher Nolan, that's what you're going to have to do because he truly, truly believes in the theatrical experience. To him, it's not like, oh, well, the world's changing, so we got to change. And he's like, look, the kind of movies I make, you need to be in the seat with that screen, with that surround sound. So I think unless that that's what you're going to do, if you say you're going to go the extra mile, if you say you're going to go there, that's where you're going to have to go to get him. The funny thing is, I mean, Steven Spielberg also a few years ago said a lot about Netflix as well. And here yep. you see him, you know, he's like, oh, OK, you we'll know, do some stuff together. You know, yeah. you know, he's working with them. So it's not impossible. However, with everyone else that's out there, he's Christopher Nolan is such a cerebral storyteller. Oh, that's a good. I say that don't. Again. That's perfect. The way you just said that. He's say a that cerebral again. storyteller. Um you really got to think about his movies. Um, and he goes, it's, it's an understatement to say he goes deep. And Netflix turns out great stuff. They have great stuff. I don't necessarily know that they're the best place for the type of art that he makes. Right. Honestly, with everything else, because he's so exclusive. And, and um, when you start to dish stuff out, and depending on the platform, the rarity, the rarity of the art form might be affected. Um, personally, if I were to think of a st uh, streaming, you know, there's so many different um, studios, but I almost want to say Apple would be a better choice for him if because anyone Apple wanted him. Apple has already demonstrated that they are willing to incorporate an exclusive theatrical window with their stuff. Yes. So that gives them, and they've got way more money than Netflix does. Yes, and the type of movies that are on their platform are more thoughtful and more in the line, not exactly the level, but in the line of a Christopher Nolan film. When I, If I were to watch him and while being on the Apple platform, I would feel like he's at home there. Whereas if I see something on Netflix and, and trust me, I love Netflix there. They make such great content. I'm not trashing on them. I just don't feel like Netflix would be the right fit in terms of their pacing and how much they're putting out. Look, when I'm scrolling on Netflix, I can scroll for hours when I'm scrolling on Apple. It's only a few minutes until I get to the end of the catalog that they have right now. I mean, I know they're only yes. a few years in, but I'm like, Oh, I'm back to the beginning. Oh, Okay. And what I see there is it's more thoughtful content. It's it, because that's the other thing we were talking about universal paramount, but Apple has all the money in the world. They mm -hmm. have demonstrated they're willing to entertain full theatrical exclusive windows first before it becoming the home. They're doing that with several. They're doing films. great with the Emmys. They're doing Look great with nominations. Yeah. Amazon also, I mean, Amazon and Apple could buy and sell Disney, Netflix, and all the other Hollywood studios 10 times over if they want. So Amazon has shown a commitment to this. They have put their own movies in theatrical exclusive windows. Yeah. So they've got to be a player too. I, I And I honestly think Christopher Nolan would consider going with an Apple TV Plus with a, 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 a Peacock if they're willing to do, well, obviously because they're universal, they would do with an exclusive theatrical yeah. window with an Amazon and with a Netflix. If any of those companies are willing to say, on top of the dump trucks of Spanish gold that they will back up to Christopher Nolan's house. Right. If they are willing to say to him, we will commit to you that your films get an exclusive theatrical window prior to coming on our service. I think they're as much in the running as any other studio. And I think Netflix is included in that. The question is, is Netflix willing to bend the knee? Is Netflix willing to bend the knee? And it sounds like from Stuber's word that maybe he is.
He's willing to do that. I think he would be willing. I think that would be the offer that he's making. You can't come to Christopher Nolan and say no. we're only going to put it. People, the yeah. first time someone sees this amazing film that's so thoughtful and deep, it's going to be on their couch. He's not going to play that yeah, game they with can you. He can arrange he a lunch with that. Nolan, and they can sit down, and Nolan would say, before you get started, are you offering me an exclusive theatrical window? The moment Otherwise, Stuber why says, am no, I here? Yeah, he's gone. He's up and out the door calling his Uber. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that's it. His Stuber Uber. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. I think this is fascinating stuff. I, you could probably tell I find this incredibly fascinating. What is going to happen with Christopher Nolan? Would Netflix actually change their policy and have a full theatrical window movie before coming to Netflix? Never done it before. Would they do it for Christopher Nolan? He's the biggest fish. He's the biggest prize there is right now. What do you guys think about this? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Deep breath. That was a lot of topics to cover today here, guys. Uh, and, and So much happening. So, so much drama. I feel like it's my sophomore year in high school. So, did you have a lot of drama, drama. in high school? Were you one of those girls? No, I was, that, I was that weirdo girl that was just listening to everyone else's stuff because I was not Were you living vicariously through their drama? Yeah, definitely. Didn't I was the date, wall- didn't I was I was a weirdo. <laughs> I was the wallflower in high school. I, I mean I played I, totally vars- I walked on to varsity basketball <clears throat> as a freshman. Oh. Um oh, look at my that. knees can't do anything that I used to do then. But um no, I was I, I was not cool, but you know, people knew me because I was an athlete and I was a really good athlete, but I, I was that. nerdy. I was the one that wanted to talk about characters and shows and <laughs> Batman animated series. And who are you? <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to move into our live comments and questions, but before we do, we've, we've had Kimberly here for an hour and a half of the show. Kimberly, thank you so much for driving down to do this with us. Absolutely. Always awesome to have you here in the meantime, where can people follow you and all your good stuff online? Yeah. You guys can follow me on Instagram at was good. Kimberly. It's W U Z K I M B E R L Y. Yeah. And Kimberly, awesome. Again, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, that is Kimberly Kern. Make sure you are following her on all the various social medias. And of course, we'll have her back here again soon. But for now, we've got some time left in the show. So let's go on over and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? We're going to get things started off here with Sam Weiser Gamgee, who writes, Hey, John, uh, clarification on my message about Cinemark's device for the deaf. Yes, they still use it. Its base fit. Its base fits in the cup holder. Bye, Kim. Uh, but the text screen is on an extension that puts the words on level with the bottom of the movie. Yeah, yeah. You got to pull it. You got to pull it out. She's having trouble with the door. You got to give it a little. <laughs> um, its base fits in the cup holder. The text screen is on an extension that puts the words on level with the bottom of the movie screen. No head bobbing. Thanks. So we've been talking about that recently because somebody brought up on the show recently that. You know, they have a deaf brother and it's frustrating not being able to go to the theater. But there are theaters that do have those Cinemark. And apparently AMC has it as well. If you ask the front desk about um, about the device that they have that will subtitle the movie for you on that device. So check with your local theater and you go. And thanks for the update on that, Sam Weiser. Appreciate that. All right. Next up, we got Willow who writes. I'm making my way through Star Trek Enterprise for the first time. I like that show. And just recently, I saw the episode where Aaron Cummings, who is now in King Richard, where Aaron Cummings brief, briefly makes her appearance. I know that you must have told this story before, but I missed it. How did you get to know Aaron? All right. So the way Aaron, Aaron and I have been friends for over 10 years now. And the way we met was, let me see if I can find this here. Um, 
the way Aaron and I met is that I was doing the Masters of the Web stuff at Comic-Con as I do every year. Now, Aaron uh, was part of a trio uh, of girls uh, who had made this movie called Bitch Slap. And they, the cast and crew of Bitch Slap went to Comic-Con to try to promote their film Bitch Slap. It had Steve, uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo. It had Lucy Lawless in it. It had a bunch of other people in it as well. And that's uh, Aaron with the big gun in her hand. Anyway, so, and by the way, two of these three girls were in my movie, The Anniversary. <laughs> anyway, so they were promoting this movie, Bitch Slap. And they came to my Masters of the Web panel, because I, I do this Masters of the Web panel every year. And they came to the panel and they stood at the back, dressed up in like some of their skimpy, you know, uh, 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 bitch slap outfits that they had and stuff like that. So they were there and then they came up and talked to us afterwards and they were saying, we're here promoting this movie, bitch slap. It's got Lucy Lawless in it and blah, blah, blah. And they asked if they could come to our masters of the web party afterwards. So we said, sure. So we invited them to the masters of the web party that was happening later that night on a rooftop in San Diego. Always a lot of fun. And they came and that's how we met. And we just became friends and we kept in touch. And then when I was making my movie, the anniversary, I actually reached out to Aaron and one of the other girls in the movie. And I said, Hey, I've got two roles that would be perfect for you guys. Would you mind coming and doing them for my little, you know, personal project movie that I'm making? And they said, yes. And then we all just became friends and we have known each other ever since. So that's how uh, Aaron and I uh, got to know each other. And if you get a chance to watch bitch slap, do it's actually it's stupid fun it's just stupid and dumb but it's and it's wild and wacky it's got a little bit of a sin city kind of dna to it but much lower budget it's just crazy and dumb and a lot of fun so i have always enjoyed it all right anyway that down that's how that's how aaron and i know each other okay next up we've got a uh, joey who writes with the rumor of Ezra and Thrawn being cast in the upcoming Ahsoka show, what do you think are the odds of the rest of the crew, Hera, Sabine, Zeb, and other members from Rebels, may end up being in the Ahsoka show? Well, I mean, not bad, especially Sabine. Sabine, because remember, at the end of Rebels, Sabine is the one who goes off with Ahsoka in search of Ezra. So I would actually say there's a probably a pretty decent chance that we're going to see Sabine in the uh, Ahsoka show. Now that we definitely know it revolves around finding Ezra and Thrawn and all that kind of stuff, I, I think it would be pretty good. As far as Hera, Zeb, you know, maybe even a return of Freddie Prince Jr., I, I give it a chance, but a lower chance, like in the 10 to 20% range. But as far as Sabine goes, I'd give Sabine being in the show as well, whether it's a big part or a tiny little part, I'd give Sabine being in it like a 60% chance. Again, no insider information. That's just me guessing. All right, next up, we got Andy Hong who writes, how is Superman not going to be in the Flash film? It makes no sense. You need a minute. Well, I don't know that you need Superman to be in the Flash movie. Otherwise, who's going to tell Supergirl that the world... I see what you're doing. Who's going to tell Supergirl that the world doesn't need him when it has her? This question is brought to you by the showrunners and writers of the Arrowverse. I see you did there, Andy. Sorry, guys. Just pulling out my new uh, can of Zevia Cola. Zevia, sponsor me 
you cheap, insufferable sons of bitches. Anyway, um, yeah, they're never going to sponsor me. But uh, yeah, I mean, of course, that's what the Arrowverse did. They just turned Superman to a, to a giant jobber. Uh, you know, I did wonder if we'll see. By the way, by the way, you didn't hear it from me. I don't think it's impossible that we may see Henry Cavill in the Flash movie. You didn't hear it from me. You didn't hear it from me. And I am definitely, let's be clear, I am definitely not saying that is what is going to happen. Just be clear. All I'm saying is, I'm not going to be shocked, and I don't think anybody should be shocked, if we're watching the Flash movie and a certain Kryptonian whose face looks just like the face of that guy and that po- you all you can see is this part of the my suit my Henry Cavill standy but I, I'm just saying don't be shocked if when we're watching Flash a certain Kryptonian shows up who may happen to look a lot like Henry Cavill that's all I'm saying I'm not saying it's going to happen be very clear just yeah there's that all right and next up uh andy also writes have you seen the fear street trilogy on netflix that was released week by week uh they were a lot of fun to watch and i was amazed by the competent vision of director lee janik i hope to see more from her and i hope she could oversee a cinematic universe i have not watched it but i i have become fascinated by it so they've got this fear street trilogy and they're released they release them in reverse uh, chronological order week after week. Now I have told you guys in the past that within the next couple of years, be ready to see Netflix start to adopt the week, the weekly release schedule of their shows, just like Disney is now doing and HBO is doing and, and things like that, because they're realizing, Hey, we get much better results when we release them week by week instead of dropping them all at once. You're going to see Netflix do it in the next couple of years. Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen in the next six months. I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, 36 months from now, but it's it's coming. And I think this was a little test of theirs. I honestly think this Fear Street thing, releasing the movies one week apart, was a little bit of a test for them. And apparently the results were really good. So listen, I skipped out on it because the trailers honestly didn't look all that great to me, but I keep hearing from people like you, Andy, that they're actually pretty good. So I think Ann and I were talking about the other day. I think we're going to sit down. This is a really busy weekend because Ann and I are like going to a, um, we're going to a clueless anniversary special screening. And then on Saturday night, Ann and I are going to the Hollywood bowl for a princess bride live and in concert. So they're going to play the movie on the screen without the soundtrack, like without the, the music soundtrack. And then they're going to have a full orchestra there playing the music along with it. I love those things. So we're going to do that. And then we got big plans on Sunday. So I don't know when we're going to get around to watching it, but we are going to watch it. And uh, because people like you, Andy, keep putting on my radar. So thanks for that. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Alex Detman who writes, hey, John. It was me who asked you about the validity of the new Predator movie, and it takes place in the era of the Apache Indians. I think it was the Comanche, but anyway. Um, And will follow a young female who notices that her tribe is being hunted uh, during her brother's rite of passage. So we just heard the other day, we talked about on the show yesterday that there is a new Predator movie. 
It's almost completely done, finished shooting. And they just said they haven't told us when it's happening. They just said it's early. It's it's a prequel to the other Predator movie, but they still haven't said what timeline. Now, there were rumors going around before that I had completely forgotten about. There were rumors going around before that the new Predator would be looking like during, uh, it would set place where the Predator's hunting a Native American, right? During that era, like pre-Columbus era. So I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if that's what they're doing, but a lot of people are now speculating that that's what it's going to be. All right, next up. Alex writes, Forgive my post earlier, but it's not Apache Warriors, it's Comanche, which I, I also heard, all right, um, that the film follows, and it's also supposed to be Predator's first hunt on Earth, which I think sounds cool, but how did you relay that to the audience without it being cheesy? First of all, we got to know that this is not confirmed. That's the rumor, but that's not being confirmed. But it, that might not be it at all. For all we know, it's going to be cavemen. Or it could be, I, I mean, I just don't know. I have no idea. But if it is, every movie is a, is a challenge to figure out a way to market that. Marketing that could be kind of cheesy. They got to overcome the cheesiness and the, the bad will about the last Predator movie that Shane Black directed. I was so looking forward to that movie because I love Shane Black and that last Predator movie was terrible. I thought for sure it was going to be great and it was terrible, but we'll see how that goes. All right, next up, Chuck the Mystery writes, Hey, John, watched a trailer yesterday um, that came out of nowhere and really got me excited. The Card Counter, yes, with Oscar Isaac and Willem Dafoe. Uh, Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver, along with one of my favorites, American Gigolo, is behind it. Scorsese is the executive producer. Yeah, and listen, I'm obviously a big poker guy. I play a lot of poker. Um, so anytime a poker movie kind of comes along, it's going to get my interest. But Ty Sheridan is also in this movie, and he looks really good in it. I'll tell you what, the trailer looks awesome. It is an awesome-looking trailer. And Oscar Isaac looks incredible. And by the way, Tiffany Haddish is in it as well. And I, you know, ever since Girls Trip, I've been a big Tiffany Haddish fan. I like her stand-up comedy. I haven't loved really any of her other movies, but I loved her in Girls Trip, and I love her stand-up comedy. And seeing her and Oscar Isaac play off each other is kind of fun to see. So, yeah, it's called The Card Counter. I think it actually looks pretty damn good, so I'm going to be checking that one out for sure. All right, next up, we've got Anthony R. who writes, one of two. The other day, Rob answered my question in your place. I had asked if you guys would do an end-of-the-year review of Phase 4 so far uh, after Spider-Man's release. He loved the idea and told me to hold you guys to that. Uh, by that time, we would have had a whole bunch of Disney Plus shows and four movies. I think a state of the MCU so far video would be awesome. And with much more information, it would be appropriate to start predicting where phase four is actually heading. What say you? Yeah, that's possible because by the time we get to the end of the year, we will have had WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, and probably Ms. Marvel. So that's going to be eight properties, right? To do a retrospective looking back at the year that was with Marvel, the first year that they launched television series, like where Marvel proper launched television series with WandaVision and things like that on Disney Plus. That's probably not a bad idea. So yeah, I like the idea, Anthony. I think we will probably do that. I think that's a pretty good idea. Thanks for sharing it, man. All right, next up. 
We got Sam Weiser Gamgee who writes, Hey John, clarification on my message about Cinemark's device for the deaf. Yes, they still use it. Its base fits the cup holder. You were just telling us this. Uh, but the text screen is on an extension that puts the words on level with the bottom of the movie screen. No head bobbing. Oh, that's good to know because I was thinking, okay, so you got a text screen in the cup holder. So you're having to look down at the screen and then look up at the movies, but it's got an extension to put it up right about here. So you're just doing this instead of doing this. That's good to know. That makes it much more practical to use. Thank you for giving me that heads up, Samwise. All right, next up, we got Willow who writes, I'm making my way through Star Trek Enterprise for the first time. Wait a second. We just we just answered this. How do you get to know Aaron? Did, we, did I double up on some questions here? I think we accidentally doubled up on some questions here. So we did Andy's questions. We did Alex's questions. We did Chuck the Mysteries questions. Uh, Rob answering the questions. All right, I think this is a new one, right? Okay, yes, this is a new one. Uh, Anton Riley writes, sorry about the double up there, guys. When I saw Aaron in the King Richard trailer, I wanted to cue up that one meme of Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at the TV screen uh, was like, hey, our girl Aaron is in this. Okay, wait a minute. Somebody actually did that. Let me see if I can bring up my Twitter because I put up on Twitter, um, I put up this tweet. Uh, that was, hey, look who's in the new uh, Will Smith King Richard trailer. It's our girl Aaron Cummings, which was great to see. Uh, and like uh, a lot of you guys uh, engaged that one and retweeted it, which is great. But one of the comments, which was great, that somebody put in, where is it? Was this one. I think this is the exact one you're talking about. I love this comment that somebody put in. When Aaron Cummings pops up on screen, everybody who watches the John Campion show instantly was like Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I loved that. I loved it. I, I I thought that was great. So thanks for bringing that up. All right, next up. Oh, sorry, there was a part two to that. But I wanted to say this about King Richard. I feel like Will Smith is going to get Oscar buzz for this movie. A and listen, we got to see the movie first before we start talking Oscar buzz. But like I said myself, I mean, this feels like he's going for an Oscar nomination because it looks like his performance is going to be incredible. Anybody. Anyway, uh, Oscar buzz for this movie, as long as it's not a train wreck, this looks like the kind of movie that usually gets a lot of Oscar nods. They love stuff based on a true story. Oh, they love fiction. They love true stories, whatever. They just love good movies. But I'll tell you what, again, let's not get our head of ourselves about Oscar buzz. We haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm, I am with you, though. I mean, just what the little taste we got does kind of look like Big Willie is absolutely going for another Oscar nomination. I mean, that's kind of what it looks like. All right, next up. The Wakandan Forever writes, I never knew it, but Regal has dollar movies for families on Tuesday and Wednesdays. I didn't know that uh, during the summer. I saw The Boss Baby. I skipped that one. Uh, it got me thinking, why do adults get to tell us what to do? Babies of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your cribs. You know what? I have to admit, I did. I dodged... Um, I dodged the Boss Baby films. Nothing about them. They reminded me of poor man's versions of the live action Look Who's Talking movies. Uh, so I kind of dodged those ones, I must admit. But I, but that is a great thing to know, Wakandan. Like, I never knew about this. They have dollar movies on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for families? That sounds great. I never knew about that. I, I'm going to have to look into that. And by the way, uh, Dragon10 sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Dragon10. Appreciate that very much, man. All right. Next up. 
We go to free Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is quite happy being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Thank you. Anyway, I love John Walker. That's the foe, the Walmart Captain America. He's such a complex character. I really do like the character too. I really do. Uh, people totally overlook the fact that he chose to try and save the bus over chasing Carly uh, for vengeance. I didn't overlook that. I made a big deal out of that. I thought that was great. Uh, I want him to be one of those characters that's tragically messed up but goes out heroically. Listen, I thought that was honestly one of the best moments of Falcon Winter Soldier. When... The true nature of the guy, look, he may be misguided, he may be messed up, he'll make wrong decisions, he'll do the wrong things, but he's he wants to do the right thing. He wants to be a hero. And I thought that moment in Falcon the Winter Soldier was so pivotal when he could choose to chase after the person that he holds responsible for the death of his best friend, or he could save the people in the truck. And that was what I call, that was his come to Jesus moment, right? That was his come to Jesus moment. He made that choice that I'm going to put my personal, and he didn't always do this in the show, but in that moment, he put aside his own personal issues, his own personal rage, his own personal need for vengeance. He put it aside. He said, I'm going to be the hero. And maybe nobody will see it. Maybe nobody will notice. Maybe I'll get no credit for it but I'm going to save these people on the truck because that's what heroes do. And he did it. It wasn't Sam who saved the people on the truck. Cause if it wasn't for, for Walker, that truck would have fallen off there, hit the ground and killed everybody inside long before Sam showed up. Sure. Sam had the big glory moment where, Oh, look, he's using the rockets and the wings to hold up the truck, but they would have already been dead if it wasn't for Walker. <clears throat> so yeah, I thought that was, <clears throat> I did think that was a fabulous moment in the show. I thought it was a great moment and it will add to the complexity of the character as he goes on in the MCU to make more bad decisions. Cause I believe we're going to see him make more bad decisions. I mean, look, he's in with Elaine, right? He's working for Elaine now. So, you know, some bad things are going to happen, but I, I did think it's uh, it was a great moment for the character. All right. Next up, we've got Dakota who writes, Depending on when and if they make a new Twilight movie, oh, they're not going to make another Twilight movie. What kind of payday do you think Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart could see? Considering Batman being a hit and a possible Oscar nod for Kristen Stewart for her Diana pick, a percentage or 20 million? Yeah, make no mistake about it. There won't be another Twilight movie. And if there is, it won't have Robert Pattinson or Kristen Stewart. Now, listen, there has been, I've heard from people who have seen footage and have seen the movie. There is some early Oscar whispers going on about Kristen Stewart for that Princess Diana pick. Now, I haven't seen it myself, so I can't I can't vouch for it. But I am hearing early whispers that she may be a serious contender for an Oscar nomination for her acting. I, I've contended for a long time. She's actually a really good actress. She's not always in the best movies. <laughs> Charlie's Angels. <laughs> She's not always in great movies. But she is a great actress. She really is. Robert Pattinson has become one of the most desirable actors in Hollywood. Directors are all going after this guy. They all want to work with him. The question isn't, could a studio want to make another Twilight movie? Of course they could. But I am telling you right now, it has taken Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart years, years to shed the stigma of Twilight that's been on them. Even today, 
Like when Robert Pattinson got cast as Batman, all these people who don't actually watch many movies and have never seen all these incredible indie films that Robert Pattinson has done over the past seven, eight, nine years that has shown he's one of the best in the business right now and why all the all the directors want to work with him. They even still today, this many years later, as soon as they cast Robert Pattinson, it, all the, the, the surface level movie fans came out and go, wait, they got the Twilight boy? They got Twilight Boy to play Batman? Why are they getting Twilight Boy? Because they've never seen the other incredible work he's done because he still had that stigma attached with him. Still had that stigma. Kristen Stewart has also been, like, been worked really, really hard to try to get over that stigma. And she always, you know, she personally, she part, partially herself to blame, she hasn't made as good decisions as Robert Pattinson has. But I'm telling you, she has got the goods when it comes to pure acting talent. She just does. I don't care if you like that or not. It's the fact. I mean, it's like anything in movies, subjective. But she's got the goods, man. She can act. And everything we're hearing coming out of this Princess Diana pick, which I myself said, man, casting Kristen Stewart to play Princess Diana, that's an odd choice. But everything I'm hearing about is that it's amazing. And, and that she's amazing in it. Again, I can't vouch for it because I haven't seen it myself. Maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'll hate it. I don't know. But I feel very, very safe in saying this, Dakota. There is no way in holy hell, no way in holy hell that either Robert Pattinson or Kristen Stewart, after all they have been through the last number of years to try to move on from the Twilight era, not that they hated their Twilight. I mean, Twilight is what made them famous. But it's also time for them to move on from that. And they have worked so hard and gone through so many years of trying to shake off that Twilight stigma. There is no way they come back to do another one. You could offer them $50 million each. They wouldn't come back for it. There's just no way. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how much money you offer them. They're not coming back. I mean, obviously there is a dollar figure, but there's no dollar figure that an actual real life studio would pay that could possibly bring them back. It's just, it's just not going to happen. All right. Next up running out of time here. So just got time for one or two more here, guys. Ryan G writes, Hey John, sorry about my comment on Leslie Grace on becoming Batgirl. I just don't think she's the right fit for the role. Or then again, maybe she is. Who knows? Really? We will see. But see, that's the thing, Ryan, you and I, we don't know if she's the right fit for the role because neither you or I know the role. We don't know the role. I always bring up the, obviously Leslie Grace is playing Batgirl, but I keep bringing up the Joker thing, but the Joker thing is a great example. Look at Jared Leto's Joker, Jack Nicholson's Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. They're four totally different iterations. Like, they're both, they're all essentially at their core the Joker, yes. But they are four completely different manifestations of that character. And guess what? As great as Jack was as Joker and Tim Burton's Batman, I don't know that he would have been a very good Suicide Squad Joker. As great as Joaquin Phoenix was in his Joker, I don't know that he would have been a very good fit for Jack Nicholson's Joker. It all depends. In talking about fit, 
you have to know how are the screenwriters writing this character? What's their iteration of this character looking like? What's their DNA like? And until you know that script and you know what character they're really going for, it's impossible for you and I to say whether this actress or that actress is the right fit for this Batgirl. Because I haven't read the script and you haven't read the script. So that's why when people say to me, you know, about X actor and X role, my answer is always the same. All I care about, since I haven't read the script yet, all I care about is, is the actor or actress you're looking at a bona fide, talented actor or actress? And when I saw Leslie Grace in In the Heights, that's, that's enough for me. She's clearly a very gifted actress. I'm not saying she's one of the top 10 actresses in the world, not at all, but she's clearly very gifted and she's clearly got a lot of talent. So if I know she's got talent and the people casting it who actually know what this character is supposed to be like, say she's a good fit for it, then all I can do right now is say, okay. The only time I get upset at castings is when I think they're casting somebody who's not very talented. That, that's the only time I get worried about casting. But, but Leslie Grace is a very talented girl. And listen, when Batgirl comes out, maybe we'll find out that the way they wrote Batgirl was totally not a good fit for Leslie Grace. Maybe we'll find that out. Or maybe we'll find out the opposite. Who knows? But until then, we just don't know, right? We can only go off of, do we think this person is talented? And I personally think she's pretty talented. All right. Last question we'll do today, guys. Uh, will come to us from Ryan G who writes, Hey, John, I love all these movie trailers that came out this week. Dexter. Well, that's not a movie trailer, but still very excited for the Dexter trailer. Dexter, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Shang-Chi, uh, King Richard. Uh, do a Dexter spoiler episode per week. It will be good, and I hope Will Smith gets his first Oscar for this movie. Yeah, now Will Smith has been nominated for an Oscar before. He just has never won one. Yeah, that's been a question about whether or not... Because, you know, we do... Some shows we will do weekly spoiler reviews, right? Like for obviously all the MCU shows, we did weekly spoiler reviews. We do weekly spoiler reviews for Mandalorian and stuff like that. A lot of people have been suggesting that we do it for Dexter. The only two problems with that is, number one, I don't know how many of you guys are actually going to watch Dexter. And number two, which is kind of connected to part one, is that it's on Showtime. And not everybody has Showtime. Like, I, I mean, not everybody has Disney Plus either, but a lot more people have Disney Plus than have Showtime. So I don't know. I, I, w I am considering it. You guys will have to let me know if you think we should do a weekly Dexter spoiler review like we do for Mandalorian and, and WandaVision and Loki and things like that. You guys will have to let me know. I just don't know that enough of you guys actually have like Showtime or will have access to it or if you're planning on watching it. I just know I and personally planning on watching the hell out of Dexter. I am totally, totally excited about that. All right, guys, listen. There are still more questions to come from Ryan G., Chloe Fanning, uh, BK Dan, and others. Do not worry, guys. I'm going to do a companion video a little bit later today, and there's actually not many, too many questions left, so we're going to get all caught up on all the questions that we didn't get around to quite yet. So if you send one in and you didn't see it answered yet, just come on back for our companion video a little bit later today, and you should see it addressed there. By the way, guys, don't forget, you can send in 
a commenter question to be read on the live commenter questions part time anytime. The earlier you send them in, the earlier they get read. So you can even now today send in one at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. Not only are you going to get your commenter question read on the show or a companion video, if they're of course appropriate to be read on our show. But it's actually a practical way that you guys help support our channel and we can have people like Kimberly and Robert Meyer Burnett and Ray and Greg and Scott and all that kind of stuff. You guys actually support the show. So thank you guys so much for that. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia show. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of our little day, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Kimberly Kern for coming down. Thanks to all you guys who watched live and for giving us an extra half hour to get started as we waited for Kim to get here. And a very special thank you to all you guys who sent in those live comments and questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And again, all of us here with the show, thank you guys so much for that support. Okay, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.